With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Before we get into this week's podcast, our guest is Alex Chamberlain. He's a writer at Rotographs. We had a great conversation. It was a lot of fun. He's one of my favorite writers in the industry right now. We recorded this late last week, and we all woke up on Sunday to the tragic news of the passing of Jose Fernandez and two of his friends after a boating accident off the coast of Miami Beach. And obviously, it's just devastating news, and our thoughts and prayers are with the Fernandez family and the Miami organization, the community. Uh, there's been a lot of things written by some fantastic writers, just to name a few. Uh, ben Lindbergh at The Ringer had a great piece. Mauricio Rubio at Baseball Prospectus. I could go on. Jeff Passan at Yahoo. Uh, there's there's so many great stories just remembering not only who Jose Fernandez was as a, a baseball talent that rose above, that was just incomparable, but who he was as a person. And I think that's what stands out the most and just how much he meant to people and just what a fun, charismatic person he was. So I think those are important stories. You should go read them. There's a lot of them. You should do that. This is a, this is a fantasy baseball podcast. So we're not, uh, this, we're not going to talk about it very much moving forward. It's, it's obviously just uh, devastating tragedy. Uh, before we uh, go into today's podcast, I, I do want to leave you with one Jose Fernandez story. I never met Jose Fernandez, uh, but I did go to a Marlins Red Sox game last summer with uh, my family visiting from North Carolina. My cousin, she was about 10 at the time. Uh, we had seats along the third baseline. So what I used to do as a kid, you go down right by the visiting dugout and you go there and you watch and, you know, maybe someone will throw you a baseball, something like that, come out and give you a high five. That's what we all did as kids growing up. So she went down and stood by the Miami Marlins dugout and was there for about half hour, 45 minutes, just watching them warm up and then take infield and everything you do pregame. And at one point, one of the players came out, signed a baseball, and handed it to her. And that was the only player who did that day, and that player was Jose Fernandez. And I think that's just a great example of who he was, just a, a, someone who cared about everyone and just was, was larger than the game itself. So I uh, wanted to share that story. And on that note... We're going to dive into today's podcast. This was this was a really fun one. I, I don't want to lose sight of that. And that I think this was a, a really fun one. Uh, Alex and I talked about a lot of things for 2017, kind of recapping the 2016 season. And this was good. I, I really enjoyed this one. So that's coming your way next here on Flags Fly Forever. Let's get it going. 
Welcome to episode 105 of Flags Fly Forever, a Baseball Prospectus Fantasy Podcast. My name is George Bissell. I'm a writer at Baseball Prospectus, and I'm joined by a very special guest for this edition. He's a writer at Rotographs. You can follow him on Twitter at Dolph Haldhagen, which is an unconventional Twitter name. More on that a little bit later. It's Alex Chamberlain. Alex, how you doing today? Good, man. How are you? I'm excited to talk to you. It's uh, this is the first time we've we've ever spoken via Skype or any other medium, really. Other yeah, than I try to avoid you at all costs, but um, <laughs> but here we are. So, well, and I'm I'm very pleased to be a very special guest. That's um, you already made my day. So, I don't want to burst your bubble, but I think I say that about everyone. So, dang it! All right, yeah. well, that's fine. That's fine. Well, worlds have collided. This is a rotographs and BP. Uh, podcast here and we're going to be talking a lot about 2017 Uh, there's a lot to get to and Alex I want to kind of start off with this experts mock draft that's going on right now the hashtag way too early mock where (laughs) there's about 15 industry people from a bunch of different sites and the results have been interesting uh, so to speak but I want to get your take on something that happened in the first round because Clayton Kershaw went seventh and I feel like everyone I talk to, the conversation always has to start off with Clayton Kershaw and where you see him being rated next year, or where he ends up in your rankings or in your valuations for next year, depending on whether or not it's an auction or a snake draft. But where do you kind of see Kershaw shaping up? Do you still have him as a surefire first-round guy, or are you a little bit uh, more concerned about him moving forward? Um there's always the context of like the size of the league and the depth of the league and all that. But I, I think he's a, I think he's a legit first rounder. I do. And I, you know, if he didn't get injured this year, I, and not like I have that foresight or anything. Um, (laughs) I liked him number one overall. I would have been one of those people who took him number, number one overall, not really without blinking an eye. Um, he's that good. Um, he's kind of like, I mean, he's the Mike Trout of pitchers who is, perpetually underappreciated for how incredibly good he is and he can carry a rotation no matter how bad it is um i totally get not taking a pitcher up front and the durability thing now actually comes into play because he you know herniated disc or whatever it was um yeah he had the back issue there that was yeah yeah i wouldn't think twice i wouldn't think twice honestly even with the the back issue yeah, we were kind of talking about this a little bit off the air before we started recording, but it, it's kind of that we're in that difficult area of the year where we haven't started to officially turn the calendar to 2017. We haven't done any evaluations or any uh, actual prep, any preliminary projections, anything like that. So uh, does that make this a more difficult time to talk about next year? Obviously, I think it does a little bit, but I think because our impressions of what's just happened with the season are so fresh, I think it's actually one of the more beneficial times to look ahead because you, you've, we're, we're going to get into this time in the off season where we evaluate everything and our opinions on players are going to change. So do you think there is maybe a little bit of a benefit to looking ahead this time of the year, or am I just crazy in that regard? Uh, it's interesting in kind of like a, a market inefficiency regard. Because I think we're gonna, you know, we'll, we'll get all the the projections in in February and March, and that's when that's when I'll run my own projections too. And you know, the ADP starts rolling in. 
in October. I mean, when you when you think about it, because people, you know, idiots like us start doing <laughs> mock drafts. Um, so you can kind of compare like the the market perception to what essentially the computers think of these guys. Um, right now, I'm going by my own perception, which I hate doing because I love to have a spreadsheet in front of me at all times, and it's um, I feel incredibly not confident about what I'm doing. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. It's really quite fascinating to see recency bias at play <laughs> because mm. Dozier went second round. <laughs> Gary Sanchez will probably go fifth round. I like Gary uh, Sanchez though. We're, yeah, we're that, get that's, to that. that's a play. I like that play. Um, but you know, we're talking about, I think Dozier's probably like the, you know, the quintessential example here of like the last three months are cranking his price up. Um, and that maybe that's warranted, um, but I, I really like. I don't feel comfortable at all saying he's a second rounder without like really digging into it. So. Yeah. So if you're gonna tweet at Alex later, use the hashtag uh, Captain Spreadsheet. If you're if you're gonna do that, <laughs> uh, you've kind of hit on the elephant in the room, and that's the uptick in power this season across the league but specifically at the middle infield spots and this is something I've talked about with my colleagues Brett Sayer and Mike Gianella on the podcast in recent weeks and in our last episode and I'd love to get your thoughts on how you're evaluating the middle infield position now because we've seen so many guys just eclipse that 20 home run plateau that I'm not even sure what to do is this a blip on the radar are we going to see some of those power numbers going down. I mean, we got guys like Freddie Galvis hitting 20 home runs. So has your opinion on those positions changed a little bit now as we head into the off season? How are you approaching that as you build your projections for next year? Oh, that's a good question. I've actually thought about this and I've tried to do my own research into what's happening. And I like everyone else, I'm not really coming up with anything conclusive. I think the, the baseline for okay obviously the baseline has has raised in terms of power at least for this year um which kind of brings up the entire position it doesn't really change a whole lot like if everyone's hitting five or ten more home runs you don't you maybe don't have to to make a, a big like wholesale change to your middle infield strategy um i think i'm going to be more focused on guys who run because okay. relative relative to power speed is becoming scarcer. Um, so the guys who can do a little bit of everything, I think, like, I'll probably take, like, I mean, Rugned. Jesus. I mean, <laughs> he you could. know, he 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 might be, like, a, a number one second baseman for me if he's doing, like, 25-15 or something. But I, I'd have to look at a list. But I think, like, I'm super big on Jose Ramirez, who could – I don't even know if he's still middle field, infield eligible – um, he's eligible but, a bunch of places, I think. Yeah, yeah. He can. I mean, doing the ten twenty five three hundred thing is like, oh, that's my, <laughs> that's my weakness. Um, there's guys like Eduardo Nunez who've just come out of the woodwork. Jonathan Villar's had an incredible season with power and speed. That combination. Uh, there's a there's a bunch of guys. So yeah, I'm I'm with you there. I'm I was the guy a year ago who was standing on top of uh, a soapbox in the middle of the town square and screaming out about Billy Hamilton, like. <laughs> I, I didn't understand why people were discounting him or saying, you know, Billy Hamilton sucks. And, yeah, he's not a good hitter, but he's going to steal 60 bases, and that has value. So I'm, yeah, I'm right I, there with you on speed. 
Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and I, I, I say this, I think I've written, the last two years I've written about Billy Hamilton, and it's, yeah, I, yeah, I get it. He's a he's a bad, not a bad baseball player. He's a great defender. He's a bad hitter. He's a miserable hitter. But mm-hmm. the stolen bases are worth their weight in gold. I mean, he, he can pick you up seven points alone in a stolen bases category. Um, so, like, the damage that he does to your RBIs or whatever, that that's not, you know... That's not enough to write him off because he's he's such a, a force in a single category. Uh, actually, in, in runs he's not bad too, but you know, in, in stolen bases too. And touching on VR, I'm just gonna change the subject because I can. Yes, um, do it. <laughs> VR, I think, is legit um, because really? he he has shown all of these elements of his game in the last three years, and it all finally came together last year when he shored up his his plate discipline. So. I'm I'm on board. I don't know if people are skeptical about this, but I was on well, board well, before this season started. Plate discipline relative to Jonathan VR, right? Because I mean, he right. still oh, yeah. has struck out 165 times. Right. We're talking like a 25% strikeout rate versus a 30% strikeout rate, right. kind of thing. Um, and you know, the, obviously, I don't think the BABIP is gonna to stay afloat. Yeah, you prepared um, but, for that all off season to hear about his BABIP because um, I think if, if you are coming out in support of Jonathan VR, you're going to hear 376 or 380 BABIP all off season. It's going to yeah. happen. Honestly, if he hits 250, I don't I don't even care. If he hit 250 <laughs> this year, I wouldn't care cuz if he's going to hit 15 home runs and steal 50 bases, you don't he could hit 200 for all I care and he'd still be fine. <laughs> yeah, I actually I found this cool stat because I ended up um, I'm working on a piece on VR right now. And uh, in the last 20 years, he's one of six players to hit above 280 with 15 or more home runs and 50 or more steals in a single season. Damn, that's it, like Ricky Henderson territory. Is that what we're talking about right now? <laughs> yeah, I mean, Ricky was over 20 years ago, but he's like the last guy who did it routinely. Uh, yeah. Jose Jose Reyes, Carl Crawford and Hanley Ramirez each did it twice. And that was like 2006 to 2009 range. And VR is the first guy since 2009 to do it. Wow. Uh, like Jose Altu- Altuve came close a bunch of times. And, you know, D Gordon, obviously, without the power, would, would make that list. Um, but the only other two guys who did it were Craig Biggio in like 97. <laughs> and he was 32 at the time, which is incredible. And Eric Burns, if you remember, in 2007, he had that crazy year. And then he got hurt and never really played again. Uh, but, I'm gonna look it up right now because I don't remember. Yeah, <laughs> I but, do. I'm looking at it now. Yeah, he he played like 160 games that year, and I don't even think he played 160 the rest of his career. So he played 136, 151 games the rest of his career. <laughs> yep, he was not not good. Um, injuries, man. Uh, but yeah, so I think there's a little bit of regression coming with VR in. I think the power to me. I think. Um, and that, I don't think he's – that doesn't mean when – when we say regression, I hate this. Everybody says when you say regression, that means you, you don't think a guy is going to be good. I think Jonathan VR is going to be really good. But if you just look at historically, um, not a lot of those guys did that after the age of 25 again. It's it's really rare to see the total power, speed, and average combination. So I think there's a little bit of uh, a backslide coming with VR. But I still think if the Brewers are going to play him every day, he's going to be really damn good. It's not going to matter. Yeah, and they, they really don't have much of a choice, <laughs> like internally speaking. So, Yep. Uh, so let's uh, let's talk about Trey Turner because <laughs> – I knew this was going to go to Trey Turner at some point. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to do this all offseason, but I feel like I'm going to have to. And uh, 
Where would you be comfortable taking him? Because in this in this mock that we're referencing right now, he went 48th. And I talked with some of my people who I confer with in uh, in secret about all of this. And uh, they seem to think he's a top 30 guy. Like he could go in the 30s. Do you agree with that? Or what do you see 2017 looking like for Trey Turner? What's your general impression of him? Because he's been fantastic uh, so far. He has... <laughs> makes me very upset because i stashed him and then just kind of like let it cut him loose um hopefully in a redraft (laughs) i I, um all right power not totally sold Mm -hmm. uh babip could be sold not at a 385 level (laughs) give him like 340 350 and that's being very generous i think for a projection but you know if he carries that upside i mean he could be one of the few who can do it I just look, we're talking about how many balls in play is this? Uh, well, he has two hundred eighty-one plate appearances. He's got so. like two hundred balls in play ish. I tweeted this out earlier, but he <sighs> exceeded Pakoda's ninetieth percentile preseason projection in about one hundred fifty to two hundred fewer plate appearances this year, which is right, which I think is like absolutely telling of what we should expect from him going forward. Because and it's not like Pakoda's inf- in, uh, infallible. Because it, it makes mistakes, it's not, it doesn't have a brain, um, but there's a reason why it projected the way it projected. Yeah. You know, um, is he going to keep stealing at this clip? I don't think so. Is he going to keep hitting home runs or his batting average at this clip? I think, I think a reasonable expectation would be like half this pace for next year, which is still a really good ball player. It's going to be 15 home runs, 40 steals, to 90 batting average or something i mean i don't know i'm just ballparking it here and that's a great player but he's not like See, the I, next 25 63 30 or something no i i don't think he's uh I, yeah i'm i'm a little skeptical on the average i think the power he's i was talking about this with brett sayer and he says he, he told me he thinks uh turner is a little bit more of a 10 to 12 to 15 home run kind of guy at his ceiling. I don't think he's going to hit 20 home runs is basically what he was saying. And I, I agree with that. I think the speed, I mean, look at what Dusty Baker does. He's, he's kind of old school. He lets guys run. I think there's a chance he could, he could steal more than 50 bases. I think that's in play. I think 40 is a nice floor to project and pay for, but I think the, I, I take the over on 40 to 45 steals. I like that too. I mean, he's it's it's elite speed. Like we're not we're definitely not doubting that tool. And yeah, it is it is a lot of just oppor- not even opportunity. It's like just having the green light. Like we're looking. I think of a prevalent example is Machado, who went from twenty steals to zero, <laughs> mm-hmm. really with no change of scenery. Um, and kind of the Brewers ramping up their running game this year from last. Um, it's kind of just a, an environment thing. I think yeah, I think you're right. If if Baker wants them to run, he's just he's gonna run. I mean, it's not it's not like he can't because he's obviously doing it. So, um, you know, I'd probably i i like the i like the play on the over forty. I'll probably project forty just to be safe and yeah. see kind of where he falls on a list of a hundred guys. You know, if he's fallen like top fifty, then it's like all right. I mean, realistically, I'm looking at a floor for Trey Turner of like ten forty two eighty, and that's like a fiftieth overall player mm. then i know that i should be going maybe a little more bullish on that and i'm sure everyone else will be too um 
but it, you know, at least I can feel good about it. See, where I've had a problem is uh, in the past with projections is I I like to look at guys who performed well in AAA, and I've been fooled by a number of guys like that, but um, and guys who've uh, come up through the minor leagues and hit consistently, I tend to gravitate towards those guys and buy in a little bit more because I remember a couple years ago I ended up with two guys who were considerably higher than most of the industry had them, and it was Mookie Betts and Steven Souza. And one of those turned out to be a good call. The other was not so much. Uh, right. So I tend to believe a little bit more with Turner here. And, like, I think he could be a top 50 guy for me. I would not be surprised if that's where he fell in my valuations when it's all said and done. Um, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised either, honestly. I just, yeah, I can't give him that. I cannot give him the firm endorsement yet. <laughs> in, the, in, in, the, in the context of this draft, he went, where did he go? 48. 48. Yeah. That, yep. That's exactly what we're talking about. That actually might be, might not even be soon enough as we will find out. Maybe that's, maybe that's totally valid. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about the other guy. Everyone's going to focus on, and that's Gary Sanchez, who <laughs> seems to be intent on breaking every uh, record possible. He's up to 19 home runs. He's hitting 337 as we record this. I mean, what, what more do you do you want? <laughs> I've I've been thoroughly impressed with Sanchez. Uh, I've seen him a, a bunch in the minor leagues too. Man, he's good, and I I don't agree with some of the comps that are being made to Kyle Schwarber because I think Schwarber might be a better hitter than Sanchez. <laughs> like honestly, I think Schwarber is a better hitter, but I I I, I don't know. I, I want to get your take on Sanchez before we go any further on how I feel because. Are you are you buying in on the the Gary Sanchez what you've seen so far um, as a top let's say three catcher next year that range? So like this it's is... Posey, Lucroy, and is it then Sanchez would be my question. Probably not. Um, and if this is reminding me of anyone, it's reminding me of Miguel Sano a little bit, mm-hmm. um, which is it's not as extreme. Excuse me, because. But Sano had that huge power output last year, um, albeit with much more questionable plate discipline. And he went like top 40, I yeah. think, which is kind of crazy if we look in hindsight. And I was telling everyone to get the hell away from that, but that's yep. fine. People that bought was the then, this is now. <laughs> um, I'm looking at, on a per-rate basis, I mean, there are some things that scare me a little bit about Sanchez, but it's just hard to say anything definitive because it's not an incredibly large sample size. But I'm looking at a fairly low line drive rate, a fairly high infield fly ball rate. Um, He hits the ball hard, but I don't know if he's going to be an above average BABIP guy. In fact, he might be a below average BABIP guy because the guys with his kind of batted ball profile are the like Edwin Encarnacion's and... Jose Bautista's of this world who those guys are pretty of, good though <laughs> they're excellent ball players and if right. Jose Bautista was a catcher I would <laughs> I would cry um happy tears but you know I a 356 Babbitt I'm just very skeptical of and that's just the first thing um aside from a 40 percent home run to fly ball rate um no reason why you can't do half of that and still run like I don't know, like a 30 home run season. I mean, I'm not. So you're saying he won't hit 80 home runs next year. I, I'm going to take, you know, I can't definitively say I'll take the under on that. Um, but I'm leaning under on 80. 
I think Sanchez is one of those guys when you see it, you kind of know. And he there's a lot of that. Th- th- there's no stat I can use to quantify this, but I've really liked what I've seen from Gary Sanchez. And I think it there is a little bit of a, a narrative element to what I'm saying. I, it's it's all narrative, but I, I like what I've seen from Sanchez. I think the power is, is real, and I'm not as – does the batting average really matter? Because considering where he is, at, if if he's your starting catcher, I mean, does it right. really make that big of a difference? Right, and I'm I'm nitpicking because obviously we're talking about a position where, like Brian McCann is like a fifth ranked catcher, and <laughs> right. that dude runs like a two twenty average <laughs> with twenty home runs or something. So like if, if Gary, Gary Sanchez, Sanchez can do that, <laughs> if he could then... hit two sixty, I'd be jumping like that'd be great. Right? Yeah, and I, I think that sounds about right, probably. I mean, maybe like, you know, maybe he runs 270. I mean, the extra home runs will help. So the, um, I think the real question then is how much power are we able to reasonably project here? Dude, I have no idea. <laughs> dude, I rely on you guys for that. I, I've heard I've heard 30 is within reach, and I, I, I mean, obviously it's hard to say no to that at this point. Um, and to get back to the original question, uh, um, I think I still like Schwarber a little more. Mm-hmm. Um and he did go before Sanchez in this draft, if that means anything to anyone. Um, but I know that's probably going to be like one of the hot. Yeah, you're right. One of the hot talking points of this offseason is who's better. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I think I'd fall on the Schwarber side of things right now. But the problem yeah. with the problem with Schwarber, I mean, if you're looking at this from a dynasty standpoint, it's how long is he going to retain catcher eligibility? I don't. He may never get it back after this upcoming season. Especially with Contreras around, right? So, yeah. I think it's 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 really clear in a dynasty, but in a redraft, man, I'd be hard pressed to let Schwarber go by. As much as I, I do like Gary Sanchez, I'm I'm in the boat of twenty to twenty five. I think that's a reasonable projection for for home runs because I think there's um there's a bit of an adjustment coming where people just aren't going to pitch to him as much anymore. I think that's oh, yeah. where the that's where it's really going to come into play. Is he is he going to be patient enough to just take a boatload of walks and you know, I don't know. We'll see. Um, right, right. What else struck you in this this industry draft that's going on right now? Because you took Scherzer with the tenth pick, which I like. <laughs> you mentioned earlier you, you're happy to go with a pitcher in the first round, and uh, he's the only guy who's above. Well, there's, there aren't a lot of guys who struck out 200 batters this season, and Scherzer is like a mile ahead of the rest of the pack. Yeah, um, that was kind of right. So this is me doing a strategy that I probably wouldn't normally do, which <laughs> is I, even though I just talked a mad game, a pretty mean game about taking Kershaw first round, I don't think I've ever had the opportunity to do that. Um, Scherzer, you know, take this with a grain of salt, but he's about to put forward his at least his second top 10 finish in a row uh per espn's player raider so i was just making a point i'm gonna take him 10th <laughs> if he's still there um and just try to kind of build a team around that and i think there's so much offense right now that i'm like not desperate to to have to fill something in like i don't i wasn't like compelled to have to pick donaldson or rizzo because it just runs deep right now pardon my french if you have to edit that later yeah um, but um right so i i just kind of did it to make a point i don't think in a real draft i would take scherzer that early mostly because i know he's gonna fall farther than that um mm-hmm. but i just i just did it to make a point um 
one of the things that was really interesting to me was Machado going third. Okay. <laughs> um, over Arenado, uh, over Bryant, over basically everyone, obviously, because he was third. Um, <laughs> well, Betts went second. Betts went second. Trout went first. Were you surprised, I, um, were you surprised Harper went ninth? A little too early for me. Okay. Um, See, I do like Harper. I like Harper, too. <laughs> and, um, you know, I just I don't even know what to believe at this point. Um, I think he's got some bad luck on Babbitt. I, again, I'd have to look more closely at it. Um, and I keep hearing speculation about him being injured, playing mm-hmm. through injury. So um, if he slipped in a draft, I would definitely... I'm I'm afraid one of these years I'm gonna let him go by and he's gonna have that year where he just gets pissed off and hits 55 home runs and I'm gonna hate myself. So that's that's no, the basically fear. Basically, last year, right? <laughs> yeah, but he could do that again. I mean, he's what 23 right, right. or whatever. Like he's yeah, <laughs> he's not old. Um, yeah. So Machado, uh, why wouldn't you take him third or, or uh... make him the first third base? Why why in your opinion do you think Bryant and Arenado should be above? Machado then I think <laughs> Arenado I like Arenado a little better in terms okay. of power and his he has like just really good play discipline for his 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 profile um, I mean you don't you don't see guys who strike out 15% of the time walk 10% of the time and hit 40 home runs that doesn't happen anymore no um for me machado would only be more valuable if he started running again which i guess is a decent speculative play because he's obviously capable of it and he's still young it's just i think it's a matter of who's coaching third base or something i mean it's the same third base coach in in baltimore i don't know what the hell that's, happened that's a really good point because i think in the preseason we were talking uh on this show about why we liked Manny Machado in the first round because he gave you speed because right, you could get anything. at a minimum 10 to 15 steals. That was a reasonable projection. He's stolen zero. He's only run three times all year. Yeah. Yeah. It's not good. But so I, if, if you're banking on the fact that he could, he could start to run again and he, he, I'm looking now, he's actually attempted three steals, but got caught every time. Right. Um, if, if you were banking on that, I could definitely see it. And it's honestly, we're splitting hairs because these guys are all incredible. Um, but I think I would probably just take air. I mean, if I was going like three, four, five, like, I don't know, Arenado, Bryant, Machado. I mean, again, splitting hairs, but I, I don't know if he's worth it third overall. Like, I think I would have liked Altuve there, honestly. Yeah. Um, so that was, I think that was more my gripe in that, in that sense. Yep. Uh, a guy who I've been getting a lot of positive buzz from people I talk to is Charlie Blackman. Everybody seems to really, I mean, obviously he was, a, he's a really good player, but I think people are even more confident in elevating him into that first round territory. Now, are you on board with that? Because I know I've seen a lot of pieces where people are talking about Blackman as a potential first rounder and, 15 team leagues do you see that as the case or where do you stand on a guy like charlie blackman i mean i think kind of like scherzer i think he's about to close in on his third top 10 top 15 finish in a row Mm -hmm. um so just based on i mean the past yeah i mean i guess he warrants it i'm actually a little concerned about him um because i don't know if the power spike is legit and his stolen bases have tapered off considerably this season um and I think if the power dips down and he's not running the same way, he's actually not 
a top 15 guy. Um, but from his previous merits, yeah, I think he, I think he's worth the consideration and I think he's still going to be really good. Um, but I actually kind of foresee like the beginning of the end a little bit. And the, the end is a very dramatic way of, of stating it obviously, but I, you know, I'm actually a little concerned uh, about next season. You brought up a good point where we're, we're kind of at this time of the year, we're looking at everything as though it's going to stay the same the things that we're seeing now. Nothing is going to really change that dramatically, but in reality it does. How do you combat recency bias when you're going to go into the off season and put together your projections? Because it's hard to look forward and sort of predict bad things happening. I think that's the challenge for me sometimes is how do we do that? Yeah. Uh, and right. I'm only human. I'm also <laughs> fallible. Um, You're I'm not, not a, a machine. Yeah. Not a robot, but you just, I, you just kind of have to think critically about it and kind of like, I think you just have to step back. Like I like, I really like doing like the blind resume exercises where you like kind of yeah. strip a guy's name away and just evaluate it for what it is and not like think about his, his name brand or what he did recently you kind of just look at the big picture or what you think they could do (laughs) right or what you think right or you know if it's a top prospect like you're just enamored with that that top prospect glow um so you know i'm looking at his his profile right now and the power whatever i mean everyone's power is up it's all probably going to come back down but stolen bases down from 56 attempts last season to 23 this season in not that many fewer plate appearances and he's what 27 28 years old oh he's 30 he's he's old holy yeah i forgot that he debuted really late so like he's he's at a point where like the the aging curve can really sneak up on him and quickly um and i i i'm a little i'm a little wary about him just kind of like falling off the edge uh a la andrew mccutcheon who basically is now a four maybe even only a three category player Whereas, you know, two years ago, he was all five across the board. Yep. Uh, so who else in this in this draft so far? We'll kind of wrap up on the draft here. But who else? Well, I guess you could give me a couple of picks that you liked in terms of where the guys went. You think right now they're probably good value in your mind and maybe some picks that you scratch your head a little bit at right now. Um, well, I'll just tell you because there's on this couch managers thing. You can actually vote good and bad <laughs> on these picks, and I haven't voted on anything, but two people voted bad on Lindor at 11th overall. Um, hmm. So if that's any, and that's... Well, there's he's only had been, a bad couple of weeks here, but has he, he? I mean... Actually, I haven't been paying attention, honestly. No, no, he he hasn't. I Let me look. I can get some actual numbers on that, but I know he's been... Well, let's see. I'll no, just I, don't, keep going. I don't feel like I don't feel like it. I'm not going to do it. But I know he's had a little <laughs> bit of a, a a dip here recently, so I think maybe that's playing in. But sure. I'm I'm a big Lindor guy. I I'm a big Lindor guy, but he is the first shortstop off the board above Seager, above literally everyone else. Correa, Bogarts, and I, I you know I you can make that argument over, easily. I don't um, agree with him over Seager. That's crazy. yeah. I don't know. If, I don't know about that one either. I don't know about that one either. <laughs> um. As I'm scrolling here, okay, Dozier, second round, 23rd overall. That's so crazy. Um, <laughs> cargo, Carlos Gonzalez at 33 I thought was a horrible pick. Sorry, Jason. Um, that's before Cespedes, Cruz, Freddie, Braun, literally anyone you can think of. Yeah, no. um, nope. 
Uh, McCutcheon at 42nd uh, is very tenuous for me um, because I I had already <laughs> I guess I'm patting myself on the back for this one but I think a lot of us saw like the dip coming this season from what happened in 2015 and I don't think it's going to get any better um, I mean I'd have to look a little more closely again that same caveat applies always um, but I oh man I don't feel good about this one um, Daniel Murphy right after that is interesting and valid 43rd overall uh trevor story at 56 we're gonna have to hear a lot about trevor story this offseason too Ugh, no no thank yeah. you i don't yeah, want to sorry talk about, i don't want to talk about him <laughs> him and him and schwarber three picks apart oh boy i can talk about schwarber for a week he was <laughs> he was good at indiana um man i look at this and i think the best pick of the draft if this if you guys had to play this out andrew mccutcheon at 42 you you liked it, huh? Yeah, if he comes back and is healthy, yeah, he just he slipped a lot. So yeah, if he if he returns to form, it's brilliant. He was a, he was a top ten pick this year, wasn't he? Top twelve, fifteen. Uh, Man. let's find out. I don't have the ADP in front of me, but he was a first round pick. I want to say. I mean, he was perennially 14th. a top. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think he's fallen off that much. He's not. I don't think the decline is going to be that steep. I think a lot of this was injury-related, and I think that could be the best pick of this draft so far. Um, I want to I want to do a quick quick game with you here to wrap up the show. It's going to be five sure. questions, and this is going to be a, a recurring theme throughout the offseason. Whenever we have a guest on, a very special guest, uh, we're <laughs> going to do five questions. So this is five questions with Alex Chamberlain. I'll start off first one. Your favorite fantasy sleeper for 2017. And I'm not going to hold you to it, but who do you like? Oh, wow. Well, I um, I actually just wrote a piece, and he's the only one on my mind, and I don't even know how much of a sleeper I actually think he is. But uh, <laughs> Alex Dickerson on the Padres. Um, he looks a lot like an outfielding Kyle Seeger as it stands um, small sample of course caveat applies uh, before 2016 his plate discipline was shaky now he looks like he has above average contact skills and I am definitely look for, looking forward to uh, grabbing him in a late round I don't know how the playing time shakes out in San Diego though that's my I don't thing. either <laughs> they have too many bodies at this point someone's they gotta do. go okay next question you have one pitcher for three outs, current pitcher. Who are you choosing? Hmm. Any outs? Any three? Well, let's say, yeah, any three. You have to get three outs. It's the sixth inning. You can call on any pitcher in baseball. High leverage <laughs> situation. Who this you is call? probably this is probably like not the best managerial move, <laughs> but I just like watching Corey Kluber pitch, so I'd probably pick Kluber. That's that's not a bad choice. I think I'd go with Bartolo Colon. There's <laughs> there's no way he lets you down. Like you know he's coming up big. Uh, worst fantasy call of all time. Whoa, of mine or just like, well, ever. I'm gonna say you. That uh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna ask this one a bunch, but I I always love bad calls because uh, I have a bunch. Like I, I'll give you mine first. I mean I. 
I was all over Carter Caps, like, and I was telling everybody and their mother to draft him, and uh, he did not throw a pitch this year. So. Well, he, but that's an injury, you know. That's like not like him <laughs> sucking. Yeah, true. But so there's this like, I, it, there's this kind of, I guess it's like infamous to probably this one reader on Fangraphs who got very upset at me. <laughs> um, but I wrote a piece in in May of 2015 about cargo being done. Carlos Gonzalez and it was right before he took off and I had like you know and it was like fully supported with data um Jonah Pemstein I can never I think that's his last name at at Fangraphs does like this incredible work with data and the reliability and stability statistics and I'm looking at it and it's like look cargo is like 250 batted balls his ISO is like 60 or something It it was something super bad and I was like this is like this is pretty reliable like there's a one in a thousand chance that he's going to post a 40 home run season. And then sure enough, dude just takes off rest of the season crushing it. This one reader on Fangraphs like commented on every single one of my posts and was like, this is the guy who said cargo was done. And I was like, shut up, leave me alone. Um, So that was my like horrifically bad pick last year. The way I look at it, if we're not getting things wrong, then we're not doing this right because right. You, you have to make some bold calls one way or the other, and you're going to get some stuff right and some stuff wrong. I, I think the I think that's the lesson to take away with that. But I, I yeah, love I, hearing the the people's bad calls because some of them are really good. <laughs> They're fun. Yeah. Favorite prospect in the game right now? doesn't have to be fantasy related, but who's a prospect that you really like? Oh man, I've been bad on keeping up with the prospects, and all of my favorite ones got promoted. Um, but <laughs> well, you can give me one of those, then that's fine. I mean, Bregman just looks so good. Yeah, Bregman looks so good, and when he, when he started out slow, I mean, I you just kind of want to slap people because <laughs> he was running like an eighty-five Babip, <laughs> and people think he sucks, and now he's he's being Bregman, Bregman being Bregman. Um, he looks great and he looked great before he came up. Um, Moncada, I was high on until he made it to double a, and then he looked like he couldn't hit anymore. Well, the strikeouts, Um, I mean, against off speed stuff, he kind of looked overmatched. Yeah, he did. I don't know why they promoted him to be honest. And then why they, why they even promoted him to the bigs (laughs) to just sit there and fester. (laughs) Yeah. Gotta love the Red Sox. Um, it's an embarrassment of riches at this point. Thank you, Ben Sherrington for all your hard work. Right. Right. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't have a good answer for that, but I, I think if you had asked me two months ago, I would have said Bregman, which is the easy answer, I guess. I think we already kind of got your answer on the hitter side of this, of which, which ADP you're going to disagree with maybe the most in Gary Sanchez. I, I don't think you're going to agree with that ADP a lot, uh, this upcoming off season, but who's a pitcher that you're going to disagree either positive or negative with their ADP this off season? It makes me really sad, but it's probably going to be Kyle Hendricks, yeah. um, which sucks because <clears throat> he was super good last year, and anyone who was paying any kind of attention knew that, and I, you know, I got him, I got him as my last pitcher in 2015, I did it again this year, and now I think he's going to go top 20, 20 or 25. Yeah, I'm always leery of guys who don't strike out a ton of batters, and I, I, I get that with Hendricks and the Cubs defense. I don't know if they were historically good this year. Like that was that's not disputable. So 
there's a little bit of uh, regression coming in the the runs allowed department. So I can I right. can totally see that. Yeah. So I, I think that I yeah yeah damn dude it hurts. I, I really we like, like him. him too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. All right. Cool. So Alex, any uh, final thoughts before we before we let you go here? Uh no. Just thanks for livening up my work day. Yeah. This has been good. We should we should do this again sometime. I would I would like that. I would love to. I appreciate you guys having me on. Awesome. So there you have it, Alex Chamberlain. Uh, he's a writer at Rotographs. You can follow his stuff there. Check out his piece on Alex Dickerson. I, I like that one. He's got a ton of good stuff uh, up there on the site right now. You can follow him on Twitter at Dolph Haldhagen. I'll say it wrong until the end of time, I believe. You actually got it right. You're good. I, there we go. Perfect. Awesome. Alex, thanks so much. Yep, thanks. You have a good one. So we're going to take a quick break here for a message from our presenting sponsor, Pennant Wars. Check it out today, PennantWars.com. Try it for free, and then we'll come back and wrap up the show next. Today's episode of Flags Fly Forever is brought to you by Pennant Wars, our presenting sponsor for the podcast. Pennant Wars is an online baseball management game where you call the shots as the GM of your own baseball franchise. Build a team that plays your brand of baseball, draft and develop amateurs, spend big in the free agent market, or make blockbuster trades with other owners. Pennant Wars' in-depth and realistic simulation engine plays out full 162-game seasons pitch-by-pitch over the course of just six weeks. Best of all, the Pennant Wars universe is always on, so you can check in and manage your team from anywhere, at home, on your phone, or even at work. There are only a few weeks left in the fantasy baseball season, so now is the perfect time to get started with Pennant Wars. Head over to PennantWars.com to try it out for free today. That's PennantWars.com. Try it for free today. Thank you for listening to episode 105 of Flags Fly Forever. This has been a Baseball Prospectus Fantasy Podcast. Subscribe today with a one-year premium membership to read all of the content on BaseballProspectus.com. Sign up for a super premium membership. You get access to the Bat Signal, our personalized fantasy answering service. Uh, it's a great service. You're going to love it. Try it out today. Uh, so I want to thank our guest once again, Alex Chamberlain, for coming on with us. You can follow him on Twitter at Dolph Haldhagen. You can follow me on Twitter at George Bissell. And you can email us if you have a question or a topic for a future show. That's flagsflyforever at baseballperspectives.com. Finally, don't forget, subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes. Tell us about your feelings. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, so for Alex Chamberlain, this is George Bissell saying thanks for listening. Until our next show, we're going to be back next week with Brett Sayer and Mike Gianella. The gang will be all here. Until our next show, so long, everybody. <laughs>